0: Welcome to the pod, everyone. A shout out to SGS.
1: Hey, Rusty. Why are we uh, partnering with SGS?
0: Uh, uh, some 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 good people there. Pretty excited about their sports coaching courses and sports courses. Keen to make them industry ready. So when people leave, they're able to go and transfer it to any kind of industries, coaching, Teaching, being an analyst, business, whatever it might be. So I think, uh, yeah, I think it's pretty exciting times, really.
1: So what's so special about their degree courses that others will not be doing?
0: I think it'll be lots of uh, real good partnerships, uh, opportunities for people to to get into different contexts and learn and practice. It'll be feel very applied. People will be stretched and supported, and will leave yeah you know, ready to just go and thrive in the uh, big old world out there
2: sgs college is the home of bristol's higher education sports programs the programs are designed to develop unique innovative and creative sports practitioners ready for industry do you want to be a coach or teacher of the future start your journey here at sgs college and become more than just a graduate visit sgscol.ac.uk to apply now
0: Uh, ross munro williams welcome back to the pod uh, how are you, mate?
2: Yeah, very good. Thank you for having me. It's been a, a long time.
0: It hasn't been that long, but it like, I know we've both listened back to the pod, but it feels like a really long time.
2: We've aged, let's put it that way.
0: Um, well, I've aged. I'm not sure you have. you still look pretty <laughs> sleek. Um, mate, I really appreciate you coming back on. and It's been quite strange for me, A, because I haven't done a pod in ages, B, because... Like, I really listened to a pod from ages ago, which I don't do that often, because um, I was, like, just really interested in, like, what had changed for both of us. Uh, and see like, well, yeah, it was still, like, doing stuff on Zoom, which is kind of weird. Um, do you want to give a brief intro, and we'll go from there? Yeah, sure.
2: Um, what's changed to I? Uh, my- just a good question. Um, was Ross Rugby in a big way? I think the last time we spoke, uh, that was pretty much my identity, my life, and, and sole ambition. Um, still tweeting and coaching and you know, just started into the business world a little bit, supplement the income. And, uh, yeah, since, since then, I've, I think, merged more into the business world, uh, taken most of my coaching learnings and philosophies, into that space and you know i think ultimately my life staff uh, i suppose personal life as well has benefited massively from my rugby journey um i haven't coached for a long time uh since probably about three years now uh, partly because of covid and partly because of life changes but uh yeah that was me um that is me and yeah i think uh, there's, there's a lot of uh, crossovers that we can you know, discuss and you know, see where we're at now in this new phase of our life.
0: Nice. And uh, the the theme of this pod is, uh, if I'm correct, the path is the goal, which is like a, a philosophy you're trying to adopt. And 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 before we pick on that, I was like, I was thinking, if I asked you to come and do a rugby session tomorrow, would you would you feel like you were out of practice, or do you think, nah, I'd be cool with that, Rusty? What would you, what would your view be on that? I often
2: end up coaching ne- uh, nephews and kids, you know, just at the park every now and again. So I think I'd be able to pick it up quite quickly. Uh, it never leaves, leaves you and, uh, I'm still a massive, massively passionate coach, but yeah, I think, I think it would be a bit rusty, but, uh, I would love it. It eh? not
0: not, wouldn't be a, a problem. Nice. Cool. Um, And so, and I guess the other thing that's interesting for me is that often I'm speaking to people who are probably a little bit older than you who are trying to go, actually, I want to get away from what I do for work and I want to do more coaching. And you've probably been accelerated into it quite quickly. Loads of learnings. We were speaking there about, you know, you contacted Gregor and then you went up and spent time with Scotland. There's the old pictures of you with Bernard Jackman, who is now like probably more known as a commentator than a coach. Um, for the youngsters, um, and you're kind of going the other way. So you're taking those lessons from your coaching and and and, and the stuff you you know that, that didn't work, and taking them into your business. I guess is that a reasonable summary?
2: Pretty much. I think I did ten years. You know, part of my personality is all or nothing, which I'm trying to uh, steer away from a little bit, and. Deepest, I think I did everything at Rugby apart from coach a professional team uh, within that span of ten years and yeah i think i <laughs> i think i did I think I exhausted that journey uh, quite quickly, but uh, yeah that's, that's pretty much uh, the summary of it
0: why, um why are you trying to stop being all or nothing because I'm all or nothing as well
2: I think it often leads to burnout and I suppose frustration, um, in, in some cases. And I think, you know, personally, the burnout was a big issue, you know, so I would do rugby to the point where I would no longer be enjoying it, for example, or I would, you know, do, uh, exercise, for example, in a, in a way that, you know, all or nothing, I've got to be, fit as, as anything or nothing at all. Uh, you know, it was a constant state of burnout essentially. And you know, I think that that all or nothing kind of mentality wasn't very healthy. And you know, subsequent, subsequently, as I've uh, you know, grown a little bit older and realised that you don't have to do everything to a hundred, you know, kilometres an hour and the only thing that you do kind of thing. You know, and I can do a lot more. Uh, at a, a more acceptable pace and you know you realize that there's a lot more time you have a lot more time than you realize you know and you can actually do a lot more and, and still be uh proficient at things and enjoy it at the same time for longer periods so that's just a, a bit of a personal kind of learning I've I've had over the last I suppose five years or so.
0: And the path is the goal is like something you're like that's speaking to you at the moment why is that?
2: So. The, the passes of the goal is is a really and i and i don't take any credit for this, This is definitely my uh, my significant other's uh influence on me so I have to give her that credit um, but essentially the the process of the goal is is really a learning of everything that you do is part of the is, is part of the daily uh, i suppose uh, uh, actions you know so that there's no end of goal so that there's no destination um, the biggest thing that I used to do was, and part of, uh, I suppose this is where the burnout and all or nothing comes in, is it was always a goal. And, you know, we're often taught to have a goal. If you don't have a goal, you're not going to be successful. You know, you're not going to achieve it and that kind of thing. But I almost take the opposite, almost the entirely opposite view now. I think it's, it's good to have desires and dreams and that kind of stuff. But the, when you have goals, you know, there's a certain end point. And the problem is when you get to that endpoint, if you do get to that endpoint, what's next? You know, so if you do get fit, for example, then what? You know, then you've got to push yourself even further. And then you've got to run a marathon. Then you've got to run ultra marathon. You know, then you've got to climb Everest. Um, and it's just a constant, uh, nothing's ever good enough. And... I suppose the same goes in the business, in the professional world, you know, you've got to hit certain revenue targets. You've got to have a certain staff size. Um, you know, you've got to constantly achieve because once you've achieved that goal, what's the next one? What's the next one? And the reality is, is that life doesn't really work like that. And happiness I think is, is my ultimate focus now. And that, that happiness is essentially what do I need to do on a daily basis? That makes me that makes me happy because you know outcomes don't make you happy. You we think they do, but they don't. um You know, if only my team wins the championship, I'll be happy. That's the reality is when you get there, you realize that it's it's a high for a while, and the high dies down very quickly thereafter. And then what? You know, and and that's where states of depression and and uh you know kind of who am I? Where am I? What do I do? And you know what's next for me? And you're looking for the next thing. So ultimately. The path of the goal is, is really coming down to learning how to be present in the moment so what is the what is the what do i need to be aware of today how do i you know, how do i interact with my family and friends today with my team my, my clients and you know stop and smell the roses and you know be be aware and be be available to the people around me um you know the relationships that i'm in um and you know simply enjoy being at work, for example, for the time I'm there and actually enjoying what I'm doing, not worrying about, we're not hitting our, you know, we're not at that destination yet. You know, just purely enjoying the moment. And ultimately, I think the learning from that is the more you're enjoying it, the more you're in the moment, the more you're present, the more the, the happier you are. You, you almost create the energy that allows you to create better outcomes for yourself anyway. You know, and that's essentially the, the kind of... Uh, in philosophy and so on. And it's really helped in everything that I've done. And, you know, ultimately, without having any destination for fitness or, or business uh, and relationship, I've achieved far more than ever before at a faster rate, simply by not trying to achieve anything, by just doing and being and, uh, you know, just uh, living in the moment every day. And, and that's essentially it. And, you know, it's been a great stress reliever um, and a massive uh, help you know, in my mental health and happiness ultimately. So, yeah, that, that's pretty much uh, where it comes from.
0: Nice. And a big shout out to Jess for obviously being the uh, most important. <laughs> yeah, good shout out. Being the most important person in the uh, in your household. I brought a couple of things down as you said that. Like, I, I always think that. I, I always wonder why people's <clears throat> um, goal or dream or whatever isn't to be happy. Like... And, and happiness can also be like, like having tough times and coming through them. Um, and I think that those skills of like being in the moment, um, having some good habits, are quite helpful things, aren't they? <clears throat> and you triggered me on a couple of things. One was I spoke to an ex Premiership rugby coach, and I, and I, and he now works in a school. And I said, oh, do you miss it?" He said, uh, "Well, I went back to the old stadium with my school and." I remembered those five minutes of relief after we won. And that was all that I, that's what I was living for in the week. He said, it wasn't even joy. It was like relief. Um, And then the other thing was, we'll often do an exercise with people around checking in and like do your last month and what are the highs and the lows of it. And I think you find out the important stuff there, like what gives you highs, what gives you lows. It's usually the, you know, it's, it's usually the family stuff. As you said, I've been available for them. Times when you weren't available, and it led to an argument, or you tried to do the Zoom downstairs like I did earlier and got sent back upstairs to the bedroom. Um, Yeah, I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because, and I don't know what you think about this. We'll talk about the pod, but I almost think that because sport is like sport, and we love it, and I think we can often like take advantage of ourselves and others with sport, and we kind of. Let it go because it's sport. Whereas, if it was business, and again, I spoke to a coach this week who said he's got three kids and he hasn't been to sleep before two a.m. for a week, two weeks actually. Now, if that was his work, and they were saying we want you to work till two a.m. every day, then I don't think he'd be working. For me quite frankly, um, so I almost think we like get l- let sport do do weird stuff to us sometimes.
2: Yeah, a hundred percent. I think, you know, part of that, I think one of the things that I've learned as well is is really identifying, you know, what you want, you know, what, what, what makes you happy and and what actually you derive joy from and essentially then learn how to set boundaries that, that allows you to enjoy that. And often I think they, especially in the professional space, um, you know, because you're so focused on achieving something and that destination that, you forget that you start allowing things to encroach and especially in the sports space. I and mean, as you and I both know, you know, it becomes an all encompassing thing and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I don't think it's healthy long-term. And essentially I think the lack of boundaries, um, you know, encroaching onto that two AMs and that kind of stuff, it's just, it's just not sustainable. And you know, I think people can explain it away and say, you know, I'm trying to achieve a goal and that kind of stuff. But ultimately it's, <laughs> it's, it's really damaging to your health, your family Um, and I I personally don't think that it leads to any real success you know to be honest Um, I think it's just a story that we tell ourselves that is part of the um, uh, you know kind of narrative that we've created that you know you have to work like this to achieve something and it's just you know I don't think it's real I don't think it's true I think it's just uh, um, something we tell ourselves you know to try and achieve something as quickly as possible but in doing that burning Every bridge and and road and uh, you know path that you've created to try and get there, and it's you know it's just not, uh, I suppose, uh, yeah, it's just not sustainable.
0: What yeah. boundaries have you imposed? What boundaries have, have changed for you since you've? Um...
2: Yeah, it's a good one. Um, boundaries in, in quite a few things. So, family and friends boundaries um, in terms of understanding what what we want and what we, you know, what, what keeping ourselves happy and safe. Um, and, you know, for example, being very clear that, you know, this is how we think, this is how we want you know, people to behave in our, in our space or whatever the case is. And, you know, we don't appreciate this, this, and this. And just being very clear about that. Um, and, and that's been interesting because the big kind of learning that I've had in my personal life is when you set boundaries, healthy boundaries and clear boundaries, often people don't react to them very well um and, and setting clear healthy boundaries and how people react to them is essentially their problem, you know, not your problem. So it's it's been interesting to watch, um you know, just protecting yourself and your happiness. I think a lot of the times we allow people to encroach on that just because, um you know, we're worried about upsetting the, the apple cart, for example. So I think that's been a that's been a good lesson, and you know, just knowing that you know we don't want people around like this or saying this or you know. Uh, you know, just whatever doesn't, we, we don't appreciate, you know, it's as simple as that, what we value, you know, and that's been a good uh, uh, a learning for us as well. You know, family have to respond to that, especially, you know, with your know, kids on the way. And uh, in professional lives, you know, I've got clients that will sometimes, especially new ones, you know, that will try and contact us on the weekends, for example, and it's very clear, we don't deal with you on the weekends. You know, we don't deal with you after hours. Um, we don't deal with us uh, on our personal numbers, um, you know, outside of, of office hours, for example. Um, you know, and those are very clear boundaries. And it's, you know, therefore, you know, my weekends are my time. After hours is, is my time. And, you know, there's, uh, uh, you know, I have the same rule with my staff as well. I don't message my staff after hours because I respect their time. Um, and, you know, I only pay them for the time that they're with us. And that's it. You know, they have, they have to enjoy their own free time and their own uh, space and without, you know, worrying if, if I'm going to be contacting at all hours. And, uh, you know, that ultimately creates much happier and healthier people, ultimately, which in turn leads to results being far more likely, you know, in the medium to long term.
0: Nice. Um, well, let's go back to the pod. What, what did, like, when you listened back to it, what was the stuff that looked <laughs> out at you?
2: she ah, says a couple of things. Um, I think the biggest one, and this is an interesting one, is I thought that I could save people a lot if I did X. So what, by, what do I mean by that is if only I was more motivating for them, I could help them you know, see the light and achieve. Uh, if only I showed uh, a better lifestyle that you know people would be inspired to follow um and you know i could i could i have a very big saving mentality uh, which is essentially why i got into coaching i suppose um, you know if i if i only gave them what i didn't have you know they wouldn't make the same mistakes kind of thing and what i've truly learned is you cannot save someone unless they are willing to save themselves and that goes for everything uh, from, from a player you know, in, in sports to someone in the professional phase to family, um, to friends. People have to make decisions for themselves and if they have to hit rock bottom first, unfortunately the reality, but they are responsible for their own, uh, you know, self-improvement. And, and you, I cannot do that for them. And I've tried and I've pulled people along before. Um, and essentially it really comes da- down to giving people back their problems. <laughs> and it's so quite hard um, to say.
0: Has the wonderful Jess helped you understand this through her work with? Massive. Addicts. I
2: mean, in the professional space, I've tried to drag people along you know if only they could just work harder you know they would realize that you know they are what much better than they are or you know whatever the case is and if they only did this and if they only just listened and you know that kind of stuff and ultimately it's just impossible it's just impossible
0: yeah i was um he just triggered me on a couple of kind of things i'm thinking one is fletch would talk about will skill so imagine two axes, one with will, one with skill. Clearly, like, if people are high will, it's, it's, like, easy, isn't it? And if they're high or low skill, you tend to, you want to help people who, who are high will but low skill, and people who are high will and high skill, you can nudge them and challenge them. And But when people are low will, and, and sometimes that's due to the environment, so we'll have been in environments where, you know, where, um we weren't as, as as willing as we might have been in other environments. So I do think there's, there's an element of that. But, and then the other thing is like Suzanne Brown talks about like, she has like a house analogy. So, you know, you want people to open the front door so you don't want to go and break in around the back. And, and the reality of being self-employed is people come to you either because the front door's open or because you've like lit a little bit of a fire outside and they've gone, oh, that's interesting. I'm interested in that or because the whole house is, like, burning down, which is, like, the last resort. That's that's what you're talking about, where people have to get to the bottom, don't they? And then the house is on fire and they, they have to open the front door at that point.
2: They have to make their own decisions. You know, they have to live. You know, you, you can inspire someone and you can give them energy and you can give them pep talks. And trust me, I've done the... I I mean, as coaches, I'm sure, we, you know, we've been on the same level and, you know, the, the coaches listening, I'm sure we can all identify with this. I, I've given enough kind of speeches and, and you know just if only if only if only if i just do this you know they will do that you know if only i inspire them or if only you know i could do uh, a bit more better uh, coaching you know, they win and then they would see the light it's, it just doesn't work like that you know so essentially just giving people back their problems um letting them you know you can obviously be an inspiration or you can be for them you can you can support them but you can't drag them you cannot drag people so i think that's the biggest lesson and i can hear myself talking about it in the pod Um, you know, still very passionately believing that I can drag people to a destination that, you know, they're not really wanting to go to themselves. (laughs) Fascinating, isn't it?
0: I I really enjoyed listening to you, to be honest. Again, you you reminded me of the Marnonu story where he he went up to, um, I watched it Graham Henry and said, you know, the the pre-match speeches for you or for us. And then the other thing mm. is I'm doing a bit of work with someone at the moment, and <coughs> the, the guy who's who's organising the work is really, like, he's, he's like, on task, and he's processing, and he's trying to drive stuff. And I find myself wanting to rebel against that. So the exact opposite's happening. So I think, like, he might think he's, like, driving stuff and pulling people, and but it's actually making me want to go in the other direction a little bit, which is... Yeah. And I'm sure not everyone's like me, but I, I, it makes me want to break the rules a bit more, quite frankly.
2: Yeah, 100. You you can't you cannot drag
0: <clears throat> people along.
2: You know, the, the motivational industry is is massive industry. You know, many many billions of dollars worldwide. But the reality is, if it was that easy, it wouldn't be such a big industry. You know, you would need to go to multiple. Uh, seminars and buy multiple books and you know that kind of stuff it it really wouldn't uh, be the industry it is if it was that easy so ultimately it's about giving people back their problems and letting them you know self-process and really learn their own self-awareness about why they do what they do why they think that they do and you know why they think the way they do and essentially just understanding where they came from and and why you know and dealing with that and then moving forwards in a sound way but you know as a high kind of Motivating and and energy person, you often attract people that want to glob on, (laughs) and ultimately just brings me down. You know, and yeah, I think that's achieve anything.
0: It's exhausting being a rescuer, isn't it? Um, Exactly. I think Steve Vonnick's stuff around motivational interviewing and people having their own change talk and then being in charge of moving themselves forward is like really important. But I'm with you; it's, and I'm and, and I'm getting better at it as well. You're not gonna. Always get it right. So that's interesting that you, yeah, I'm cool that you, what other stuff kind of came to your mind from the pod? Either stuff that you got, was there any stuff you went, yeah, and that's still true, like still really believe that?
2: Yeah, I think the the one I spoke about a little bit, you know, to be honest, I I look back and (laughs) the philosophy was correct, but the execution was nowhere at the time. You know, and, it's, and it's often I ca- catch myself, I talk a good game. And the execution of that game is what matters. Yeah. You know? And, and I, the one thing that, that struck me was how I, you know, wanted my, my, my staff to, you know, kind of have the freedom to succeed. And at the time, and this is an interesting one as well that I've learned in the last kind of three years or so, is that, you know, you can't drag people along. And, you know, we've discussed that now, but essentially you also have to have the right people. And you know, I mentioned it on, on the LinkedIn post. You know, that, that started this whole, you know, kind of discussion. And you know, the big one is you—you you have to have the right people. And we spoke about having the right people on the bus, and you know, I spoke about giving people the freedom to succeed. But if you've got the wrong people on the bus, and you give them the freedom, they ain't gonna succeed. I can tell you that much. <laughs> and well, how did you learn yeah. that? How,
0: how did you learn that one? What's—is uh, that has it happened to you?
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm not going to go into specifics. Don't, name Don't name names. Uh, let's just say that the learnings were if I had to spend an inordinate amount of time checking in on a staff member, then they're the wrong person on the bus. Because <laughs> the freedom that you give them is essentially just setting them up for even further failure. And you know, subsequently and and this is really a recent really, renovation you know, I've 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 had exceptional staff and and, and you know exceptional uh, people around me. I've had very, very poor people, you know, and, and you know, selection of people is, is a is another skill set, you know, especially you know, as a sports coach, you know, choosing the right captain, choosing the right fly half, et cetera. And the same goes in business, you so know, having the right people in the right places is important. But what I've learned is number one is Experience, and we all talk about this in sport, but wow, what an important one! But further to that is really the types of person. And the recently, you know, the last kind of six months to a year, I've started only attracting and getting far better people, highly motivated, highly experienced people that are better than myself in positions. You know, and that's really the key. You know, I have to have better people and. And you know, when you put them together and other people, good people see that you're working with other good people, they're more likely to want to work with you. And you basically become, it becomes a very powerful energy kind of uh, creation, a bubble, if you like, you know, where they, they work in a way where the, the outcome far exceeds what you ever thought could be possible, you know if, uh, let me put it this way, the, the, the outcome is so powerful to watch and they don't need to be watched. They don't need to be checked in. They just need simple guidance and a vision and they run with it. And that's when the freedom to succeed comes in. And that's where you know my, my big philosophy of teaching people like adults. You know, I don't care where they work. I don't care what time they start. I don't care um, what, uh, if I have to go pick up granny from the airport. I don't care. You know, you have work to do. You manage it. You manage your energy. You manage your time. And I trust you, and I'll pay you as, as um, well as I as I can, and that you deserve. You know, in terms of open and transparency there, and the power and energy is, is palpable. But when I said that three years ago, it was nowhere. The idea was there, but the execution of the wrong people, and you know, giving them the freedom, the wrong people the freedom to succeed just didn't work. But you know, only recently have I think we've we've
3: got that right and you know we're starting to notice it and it's, and it's really exciting
1: hey will you tell everyone what you are up to at Core 37
3: hi fletch we're a team brand based in the northeast and we're the sister company of oddballs we've got the largest sports sublimation factory in the uk and we've produced for the biggest brands in europe over the past seven years but with Core 37 our in-house brand you can now access those prices direct to the customer
1: why would people use Core 37
3: Uh, If I was to pick three, flesh, it would be our lead time of three to four weeks, our price, which is lower than anybody else in the industry, and the fact that we're made here in the UK.
1: What's the stuff you're most proud of with Core 37?
3: There's loads of stuff, but the the key one for me would be working for a company that that genuinely believes in its own mission statement, which is to produce performance sportswear at an affordable price. And then underpinning that is the people. Everybody who works here is involved in grassroots sport in some way. And so we generally care about what we're doing here. Fletch, why do you want to partner with Core 37? Uh, Apart from
1: the fact you're a Geordie, uh, great people, uh, lots of people involved in sport, really affordable and top quality. Thanks for joining us, Wilkie. Anyone who wants to find out more can go and have a play on their website at core-37.com, or they can reach out directly to Tom at core-37.com.
0: You've nudged me on a few things. To What is that gap between what people say and what they do? So, <clears throat> currently being exposed in the premiership. So, a couple of teams that would go, we, we do this, this is how we behave to each other. And, I, and 100% I know they don't. And they are now, like, when there's lack of trust, when, there's, when we say this, but we do this, like, it's a car crash. Second thing you made me think about is, like, Ken in sport, but, like, recruitment is everything. Like, everything. Everything. Like, and yet, we don't even advertise jobs. So we don't even know who's available. So the Dave Slaman podcast, like, if you are <clears throat> Bath Rugby and you want to get someone in, as an example, like, everyone's in if you advertise. But if you just speak to a couple of agents, like... Small number of people are in, so you don't quite know who's in. That's a
2: good point, just to jump in there, is like attracts like. And amazing people want to be critiqued and work with other amazing people so that they develop themselves and it it becomes a growth for everyone involved. But when I say like attracts like, it goes in the reverse as well. People that don't want to be exposed, people that are quite comfortable with the uh, you know, the standards as they are, will attract similar types of people as well. And if you don't open up, and this comes from leadership to the, you know, the players, you know, in my case, it would be the staff, but then also, you know, the leadership, you know, the operations, the accounts, the, uh, you know, uh, co-founders, et cetera, that matters. And if you are attracting people in a, in a silent way, you know, without putting it out to market, you don't actually know what's existing out there and you don't actually know your flaws, you don't actually know where you're weak, and you'd open yourself up to a closed bubble where you'll never actually improve because you, you, know, you say the right things, as you said, but you're not actually acting on that. And then the lack of uh, development is, is, is quite clear. And it takes, it's not immediate, but it's so clear months, years later, that it's not something that can be fixed overnight. And you know, as you say like, Bath is an example with their results recently, it's, it's also you can turn around quickly you know, it's a core issue that has to be resolved with the right people, you know, and you pretty much have to start from scratch or at least have that, you know, strength to look at yourself and identify, you know, how bad things have gotten and then look for people that can assist in that process, you know, and be... Well, fortunately, we've
0: got, we got the South Africans coming in. I'm only playing with you. But the other thing I thought about was exactly what you described there was like that empty chair was somebody thinks differently to you, but is also, as you said, like almost like it's better than you. Like, people are, yes. I'm scared of that. So <clears throat> a couple of, ex- again, I've been in a few Prem clubs in the last couple of years, and one of them was very much like we, you know, this would only be once a year thing. Like, this is like, there's too much for us to think about. And I'm like, versus, I had a Zoom, uh, I had a call this morning with uh, for 30 minutes with a coach of a team that, that won their game by 50 points yesterday. Talking about how would I beat their team, like that's remarkable. Like the, uh, the 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 coach of the team that got beaten is not the one that's reaching out. It's actually the one that's that's winning. And I'd, again, I'm, I'm with you. This becomes quite an infectious recruitment tool, doesn't it? Like you you want to go work for those types of business. Well, the right people want to go work for those types of businesses
3: or those yeah. types of
0: teams and. Then it becomes self fulfilling. I think, I think Saris over the years have done, have probably done that better than any really in the, in the premiership.
2: Yeah. It always starts from the top. and, And, you know, strong leaders don't mind being exposed for what they don't know and hiring people that are better than them. Because to be honest, it's far better managing good people who are creating a, energy uh, exchange that is extremely powerful. It's, and all you have to do as a, as a real leader at the top is to guide them towards the vision. Just have a big vision and guide them towards that. Make sure that they're not suddenly you know, skewing off because they're so passionate. Um, you know, just to make sure that that's, the right, that's it. But you have to be... And I think this is really part of that, you know, kind of that, I suppose, going back to that the goal, is that understanding that you're not a finished article, that you aren't complete, that you
0: aren't... Uh, the, the most you're never a finished
2: article. And, you know, people say it, you know, you'll hear, you'll hear a lot of lip service around this, especially with, you know, anyone from the business world, from the sports world, especially in the top levels, you know, you'll hear, you know, I'm not complete. I'm always open to feedback, but are they, are they? You know, that, that's really the thing to watch. And a really strong need to understand that they're a work in progress and every day there's something that they can actually add to their wheelhouse, but it, but it comes from, this is why I want to bring this up from a point of self-awareness and strength, you know, that you're okay not knowing. You know, you're okay, your personal being is not tied to your outcomes. Your personal being is not, you know, how the club is doing, how the results are, how your business is doing. You're okay just for as you are without any of that. And that takes a lot of work on yourself um, and your mental health and your self-awareness to get to that point where you are actually open to, you know, allowing that process to, to unfold before you. And that takes a lot of strength to do that. And I think a lot of people don't have that strength, you know, to actually look at themselves brutally and develop themselves. Um, So, yeah, so I think that's the kind of, you know, going back to that saying, but not doing. You know, it's easy to say, but
0: damn, it's hard to do, man. Hard to do. Do you really want the spicy feedback? Uh, Yeah, I do, yeah, I do, yeah, I do. The the others, uh, there was some stuff as well I was thinking about from the pod that I think would still resonate. So, like, importance of mentors still resonating. Yeah,
2: massively. So I think, you know, I touched on it just now, but um, wow. Um, you know, and I, and I've, let me put it this way. I've got a lot of work to do myself. Um, I have to, you know, be the first to say that I've, I haven't done as much as I should have. And it is something that I'm, you know, focusing on you know, this year. But understanding yourself and truly understand yourself and working on yourself i've seen the outcome of how powerful that can be but you have to look at yourself and you have to be with you know you have to be working with someone who doesn't praise you who critiques and helps you see yourself in a light that you never thought possible and seeing the people around you and the decisions you made and you know your upbringing and and the kind of whole kind of picture if you can look at yourself you know work on yourself rather. A point where you're starting to notice why you do what you do why you say what you do and why you behave the way you did, if it becomes a lot more manageable and under, and, and it helps you understand you know how you are in the, in the day to day and you know how you manage people around you and how you manage yourself and ultimately, the biggest thing that i 've uh, you know, really come down to is you know mental health has often spoken as a uh, you know, we must you know it, it, it's something you must do you know you must look after yourself but True mental health is really, I I suppose, self-awareness and working on yourself to improve yourself by being, by brutally looking at yourself and your past, you know, and your present even. And, um, you know, when you do that, things just start materializing in ways you didn't realize, you know, in terms of your, your happiness, the way you treat yourself. Uh, you know, just learning to be kind and loving to yourself, uh, you know, being aware that uh, how, you, how others are around you and how you are around others, um, that changes a lot of things and your relationships become a lot stronger, your day to day changes and essentially you learn to be a lot more, uh, you know, as I said earlier, you know, present and happy and uh, it's not something that, that takes as a quick fix. Yeah, let's put it that way. Um, and it's hard. It's hard work. It's incredibly hard work. Um, you know, everyone understands that going to the gym and turning your body into something is hard. But, you know, mentally, people don't often want to look at their shit. And we all got shit. And we tell ourselves stories. You know, and our stories can be very strong if if they've not been challenged. And uh, I think that's pretty much the biggest lesson. Um, that I've arrived at. You know, now I've got to start my journey. You know, my my brutal journey um and that's uh, it's going to be challenging but it's it's something only i suppose people who are truly wanting to grow are able to embark on i you're
0: going for a trip to the mind gym as well as the uh, as well as i the wish was,
2: gym. i wish it was that, that easy um <laughs> but yeah it's,
0: it's hard man it's hard you know you've got to, you've got to look at yourself in ways that, that
2: is, that's very uncomfortable and it, it's not easy you know it's a lot easier recovering from a uh, a, a leg day, um, it's hard to kind of get your entire world view shattered, you know, and building it from scratch. Um, and that's, that's a challenge not many people are willing to, to undertake. And you get a lot of this kind of fight and uh, fight back, you know, that they don't want to look at do that, but it's, it's important.
0: Yeah, there'll be a lot of people fighting when they're, you know, the, the thought of their view of the world being shattered. Um, importance of a re- reflective blog like i think you've you've just done another one i think that i'm assuming that's something because you can just kind of almost put this flag in the ground of like this is where i've got to on this journey so far and of course we look back and we go oh really god my god so people will often say to me i oh, watched watch the video you're coaching don't watch it please don't watch it Ever. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> delete it delete it immediately
2: Please don't quote me on anything in the past. <laughs> yeah. The, the 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 writing is you know writing for me was always just, I was like, I was essentially soothing myself on the world if you like um you know just kind of like sharing yeah. my thoughts and, and frustrations and you know kind of taking it out in my writing and it was a great uh essentially I was journaling to public um yeah. you, know, which, you know if it's helped people that's that's great but uh, yeah it's it's for me it's a it's a really nice way to kind of just you know every now and again I get that kind of like inflection and you kind of reflection and you have this you know, urge just to kind of like share it with the world. And, you know, I think um, it's, it's nice for other people to connect with that and resonate and you don't go like, wow, that's interesting. You know, that that's, you know, if I feel the same or I'm at the same level and you spark conversations and you know, it's, it's a great, uh, you should share your stuff, you know, and you should be embarrassed by it Let's that way. Um, it's just where you share what you share and how you share it and who you share it with you know, that's where you kind of have to understand the difference between working on yourself and sharing stuff that's actually valuable for other people, you know, to, to learn from. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's, it's an interesting one. But, yeah, I enjoy it every now and again when I have the time.
0: I, um, I reread your blog. I, I really enjoyed reading it again. And <clears throat> What else did we talk about? Uh, well, we pre- you predicted that A.B. Zonda was going to coach Scotland or at least mm-hmm. finally get a break, which was cool because he's one of the good guys.
2: Yeah, I really enjoy him. We the last time I saw him, we were in uh, Durban, and we had a little coffee and you know, chatted. And, and he was got big ideas around trying to like you know change the skills game and you know really bring skills to the fore. And you know that's obviously one of my passions. And he, uh, you know, he's he's done what I think uh, you know put it this way. When I started skill coaching, probably eight years ago, there was no such thing as a skills coach in a professional setup let alone an international setup. up um, It was starting to enter into the fore, but in a minor, minor way. And, you know, to see him now as the kind of like skills coach, you know, at Scotland, like, I'm, I'm so happy for him. You know, and I think uh, Gregor Townsend is always, he's one of my favorite coaches um, in terms of his thinking. And I think he's always at the forefront of, of innovation and he really does, you know, he has, I, I personally think he's done a good job with, you know, and Scotland's not an easy place to coach, I mean, to be fair. And, uh, you know, he's he's always looking to to improve and that kind of stuff. And that was the sense I got when I first met him. And, uh, you know, to bring Abby on board, I think, is an interesting one. You know, so I really hope that that you know, yields dividends in a couple of seasons, you know.
0: Yeah, I, um, again, like, they don't have the playing base to them. They've got two professional teams. John Fletcher going there is going to help them. But you have to pioneer if you're in that situation. You don't have the bulk of South Africa, you don't have the Jouet of France, you don't have the numbers of England, you don't yeah. have the organisation of Ireland, you don't have the culture of New Zealand. Um, it's a good challenge. Um, another thing I listened on the pod, now, to be honest, I didn't remember it for the first time. I was definitely curious. And just while you're answering this question, like I, I want to finish with, like, if you went back to coaching, like, what two things would change? Um was your 100-year plan, which I quite liked. So when I wrote the notes, I put like two exclamation marks after and I thought not enough places are thinking like long-term um, There, you know, we live in this quite short-term world now and I know you're not saying that when you say like the plan is the goal. We're well, not talking about like because the reality is of of long-term, sustainable sport, business, everything like relationships and connection and the micro stuff is important. You're not you're not neglecting that. You're not saying take easy wins, are you? Uh, you're not you're not you're messing over your clients because because you want it. You know because you know that to be sustainable, you need like relationships. So what are your views on the hundred year plan stuff? Because it got two exclamation marks from me, and nothing else did.
2: I I love the hundred year thinking um, still because. You know, what the thing is, it's not the 100 year kind of thinking is not, um, you know, this is how we need to be. I don't know what it's going to look. You know, none, none, of, none of us know what it's going to look like in 100 years. You know, we don't even know what in the six months it's going to look like. You know, none of us saw COVID and suddenly look how much the world's changed, you know, within you know, three years. You know, how much has it changed? Um, the thing is, is that it's just thinking, you know, what do you need to be successful long term? you know what are the foundations what are the structures what kind of thinking what kind of maturity um you know for me for example in, in my business it's like you know it's not quite a hundred year but you know the vision really is just to be um a business that is sustainable that's run on people centric values and it doesn't mean that we have to still be in the same industry for example you know it doesn't mean that we can't branch out into different things you know it's just about How do we create a sustainable source of income that lasts and has the flexibility and the freedom to move with the world as it changes you know so you know uh, the web three is coming out i'm I'm in obviously uh, uh, internet kind of space and um you know web three is a big talking point now you've got nfts that have come in you know you've you've got uh, the crypto world you know, we were, none of us really understood that, you know, five years ago, and, you know, it's been around for a long, for 10 years or so, you know, so understanding that you have to be flexible, but you also have to be, you know, have to create a pipeline of of, of change, of innovation, of thinking, of sustainable growth, of uh, maturity, of having the right people, you know, that's the, that's the kind of long-term thinking, you know, what do I need to have in that time frame, and you, you look in the sporting sense, you know, you, nothing really changes there, in, in terms of, you know, you play a, a singular sport, which is fine, but, what do you need to be successful? You know, you need a pipeline of players, you have to have the right people, you know, you have to have the finances, you have to have the um, you know, I suppose the, the infrastructure, you know, behind the scenes. You know, so it's just what what needs to be in place so that's to be a continuously results will ebb and flow. You know, we'll have good quarters, we'll have bad quarters, you know, we'll have great weeks, we we'll have bad weeks. But what is the undercurrent that needs to be there? And I think that that's the uh that I think is what lacks. Now in saying that. You, know, you you spoke about, you know, the clients, for example, you know, I really only have three months with clients to achieve measurable results, otherwise you lose them. So it's not, and I think that's one of my biggest kind of learnings, you know, you can't just do long term, you know, a lot of uh, people, you know, often criticize me and saying, no, you know, but you can't do the long term if you're not doing short term, 100% agree with that, you have to have short term thinking as well, you know, you have to look for the quick wins, you have to look for the the, the measurable results, you, know, you have to make change. And sometimes you've got to make that change fast, but ultimately you have to have also this infrastructure of thinking you know, and the strategy that looks at the long-term. You know? And I think that's what a lot of people like is they do the quick stuff. And once you've got the quick stuff, then what? And that's the question that I always see. And I, and I speak to clients and I speak to entrepreneurs, I speak to you know, CEOs and the you know, CFOs and, and all the like, and it's like, you know, but what's, the, what's next, what then? You know, and you can say the same to the sports teams as well. You know, what's then? You know, once you've solved the recruitment crisis, what then? You know, and I that's would, the question you have to be conscious I, I think sports. it's a question,
0: again, I would, again, speaking to the coach today, like, where's your Google X? Where are you, like, moving the game on? And there's someone whose son has to explain to him what NFTs are multiple times without ever understanding it. And it'd be really obvious to him. It's quite frustrating. Um, I think probably the best example I've seen of this in sport we did a pod with Will Cottrell at Shelford was actually, they just put up this stuff on a pyramid in there next to their clubhouse so people could get around and talk about it. And this is, these are the big rocks around our future. And I do think they're branching out and they're starting to form partnerships with schools and other clubs and bring together people. And because the other thing that's happened with COVID is like commitment and um, people change, you know, lots has changed. Like maybe a rugby club needs to look different. Maybe like. Yeah. The inside of it needs to look different. Maybe it needs to offer other sports or other versions of our sport. Maybe it needs to get together in a different way and play fixtures in a different way. But of course, we've got this, and that, and that, and that's the what it kind of with. It's the thinking, isn't it? Like, and who is doing that? Like, is there like like a almost like a technical director that exists in some football clubs, like I don't know, like a Barcelona or something that that does do long term thinking? Um,
2: yeah, I mean, I think that the real kind of consistency in life is change and if you understand that and understand that the rate of change is only going to speed up you know and if you look at it from a business and sport perspective essentially sport is business now so let's you know really i suppose get onto that understanding is that you know sport is essentially dealing with people and people's core requirements and needs don't change you know I, i don't i don't think that uh you know, that would ever change. You know, people are still people, you know, human beings still react as human beings. But what does change is pretty much how they interact with their environment. And the environment is changing fast. And you know, as an example, I saw um I, I somehow I saw this thing on the football in, in Europe. And um, you know, they had this 99-pound experience ticket that you could purchase and you could go into this VIP, you know, kind of. Uh, center with food during a stadium, you know, at the event with these really comfortable seatings, and anyone could go for it. It's not exclusive, you know, you just have to pay more for it. And the, the the environment that you could buy for that day was unbelievably, let's uh, put like, you know, kind of VIP special treatment. And, you know, there's just a small example, but I was like, you know, if I, if I look at myself in, in South Africa here with the, with the business side of sport, <laughs> there is nothing. Like that, you know, their answer to the, to the old problems are um, put more cheerleaders, make more dance music, you know, but what we're actually craving is an experience. You know, we, we're craving something that makes the entertainment value of the sport worth our time and attention. And, you know, if you look at the, if it goes back to the players as well, they, the kids don't owe you their attention to come and play a rugby just because you're passionate about it, because you had a great childhood you know, growing up, they don't owe you anything. And, it, and attention spans shift. And it's not that attention spans are short, it's just that the quality of delivery is lacking. So therefore the attention is not, wanting, is not there because it's not worth their time. You know, so essentially, it's, you, know, you, have to ask, you have to go through it, all the questions and ask, you know, how do we make the game appealing for, for kids to give their attention and time to firstly, Secondly, you know, how do we make the fans, you know, look at it and actually give their attention to come to, you know, to the stadiums? And Suffolk have a big problem with that. You know, the stadiums have been empty for years now, you know, without COVID. And you look at what football are doing and, you know, it's the the fastest, I mean, it's the biggest game in the world. And, you know, they seem to be getting a lot right and rugby just doesn't, you know. And I think uh, football approaches it as a business and they understand that they're an entertainment business. And they get it, and they understand that. Where rugby doesn't, think get that. You know, and I think ultimately it comes down to just understanding that we're in a in a world of, of I don't think we've we've always been in a world of change. It's just that I don't think you know rugby specifically is not uh, as uh, on board with that or aware of that as they should be.
0: I'm loving your uh, and your and your right to almost pick me up on. Uh... Commitment, but it is attention, isn't it? And I was at Northampton Central today, and they've got a glass room that's next to the tunnel where you know. So again, people can have the tunnel experience before the teams come out, and those same people get to sit around the bench and the coaches. Like Mm -hmm. that's a cool experience, isn't it? Like that's not that hard to do. Um,
2: Creating memories,
0: creating memories. Um, I'm going to finish with so like. So uh, you get called back in, like they, um, they need you to coach South Africa. Um, <laughs> <coughs> what's the, uh, now, of course, it's slightly different because the players want to be there with South Africa. Um, but what's the things that, that are changing that you think actually in my coaching that are going to uh, maybe um, attract more attention from the uh, players?
2: So, it's a great, great question. I'm going to try and take it from probably just the professional perspective. You know, how would I treat, you know, my my team professionally you know, in terms of the, the business world, which I, you know, I see them as kind of interchangeable in some respects. Um, I suppose, I mean, the one that's jumping out of my mind, and this is just a new jerk kind of uh, reaction, but I think uh, the big thing that I, I focus on at the moment is treating people like adults. Um, and I know it sounds, you know, maybe a bit, silly but you know really treating people like adults you know from kind of COVID learnings is letting them behave and act like adults not uh and be a bit more responsible for their actions and, and how they see the world and how they interact with the world um you know i think sports i mean i haven't been involved in professional sports you know uh, really ever and um you know a lot gets done for them and they must perform at a high level but you know, for me, it's always about the whole picture, the whole adult, uh, the whole person. How are they? Uh, how are they seeing things? You know, how are they being treated, and how are they reacting to that responsibility of of being an adult? And I think, so I think Rusty does do that quite well. So I think it's not something that maybe needs to change. But that's just something that I would, you know, look at. Um, you know, I've got staff that are in their late forties. You know, and I have to treat them, you know, like they actually you know. They, they do, you know, and give them that space to, you know, to build and grow and, you know, be the, the person that they want to be within that space and create the environment that, that matters for them. So I think there's probably two things. So I'd say, you know, allow, allow the, the, them to be treated and, and just like adults. I think in the workspace, a lot of people don't treat their, works, their workforce like adults. Uh, you know, they they want to check and they've got the, the time check-ins. They've got the, uh, you know, you have to be at work, You know especially going back to work now. There's a big, you know, movement of, you know, do I really want to go back to the office kind of thing, um, you know, and, and really trusting people. So I think that would be probably the one I would look at. Um, what that looks like in a sports sense, I would have to really you know, be involved there a little bit, but, you know, that's just my kind of learnings at this stage. Um, and then really culture. And a culture that like attracts like, you know, it's it's a brutally honest but safe space where you know people are able to learn from each other and you know essentially are encouraged to build and be part of something, you know, that that's that makes them want to be there. Um, you know, and, and understand that the I suppose, you know, to sum up the entire conversation is the past is the goal. You know, how do they learn? to be, to enjoy the moment, the day-to-day moment, you know, part of that building that culture, that that day-to-day process of building, improving, measuring, and, uh, you know, just kind of, you know, just being rather, you know, just being present in the moment rather than aiming for the World Cup, you know, aiming for today. You know, how do I become the best person today? I think that would probably be in a long-winded way of talking myself into this. I think that those would be the two, you know, so to be essentially the culture of being an adult and then essentially the path is the goal. I think to sum up, that's what I would do. Long-winded way of doing that, but I think that's... Nice, what mate.
0: But and two things I'm going to like kind of I've taken from your last bit. One is like how like noticing how people react to responsibility is like a, it's a great thing mm. to notice, isn't it? What a great thing to notice. I love it. And then the second thing is and I'll give a couple of examples. Like, wouldn't it be a great measure of your culture that great people in your culture Wanted other great people to come. So, I again do a bit of work with uh, Mike Parrot and iGem. And at Maidenhead, uh, Elliot, one of their players, has brought a couple of his friends to come and play, and they're really good players. Like, that's good feedback, isn't it? And at uh, Tyler Grange, um, Annalisa's uh, suggested that her sister join the business, and Ellie's like smashing it. And like, that's what you want, isn't it? You don't want to, and of course, you, you, you might still go out to advert and you might still, but like, if you've got great people who are going, well, the great people, come here and work here. Like, seriously, like, that's probably a good measure. It's probably a good KPI, quite frankly.
3: Well, there's, there's two
2: things that we look at in my business specifically, but, you know, because we're in the marketing space, there's, there's a big thing that we look at is two things. Is one is great work works. So if you're producing great work, it works. So, you know, if you look at it in a sporting sense, is your product great work? You know, is it something that is starting to attract that attention? And saying great work works, you know, people, it, it just creates again, what we call, what we refer to as the network effect, what I personally refer to as the network effect. And you can also, what we now are learning is called, essentially what I've called as the dark social. And you can really sum it up as word of mouth. And if your great work works, people are more willing to accept it into their lives and they're more willing to then share it onto the people that they think would be the right audience, receptive audience for that. And they basically take on something and they share it themselves. And that's essentially how you create a movement. It's how you create a catalyst of uh, you know people talking about your product and, and your, your offering into the space. Now, if you look at sport, it's no different. Different. If you look at your players as stakeholders, if you're offering a great product, great work, it will work in terms of a network effect, the players will bring their own players, you know, they'll start bringing people in, in, in the professional sense, you know, if your product is great, and you're creating a great experience for your uh, market, you know, your, your community or whatever the case is, more people are going to bring their mates and friends to come and watch the game, you know, in your culture. Same thing, if you're creating great work in terms of, you know, your daily thinking, your vision and, you know, the culture that you've created that, you know, kind of passes the goal and, you know, more people want to be part of it. Again, you're creating a network effect. People want to work with amazing people and they want to be part of something special. If you're going to do something in this life, you may as well do it um, and do it well in a, in a way that you're enjoying and you're proud of, you know, and you can be part of something that makes you look in the mirror and say, like, you know, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing. And you know, I, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's a Monday. Yeah, one of the points that I wrote there was you know create a, create a life that you don't want to escape from, and that's essentially what great work. You know, kind of you could you could really sum it up as uh, I think it's uh, an interesting perspective. But yeah, it's uh, it's exactly how we see the world, and you know, hopefully that maybe others maybe can understand
0: that. Beautiful way to finish. Uh, maybe the uh, maybe my challenge to you is in 12 months' time you come off all social media, and and your great work still works. Like you don't need a website, you don't need to go on LinkedIn. Like people just say, oh, there is, there's this, there's these people you need to reach out to. Like, I think that's like. I can
2: bore you with, I can bore you statistics, but ultimately anyone that is referred is the fast, and anyone in business knows this or sales knows this, but anyone that is referred is the fastest close you'll ever get.
0: Yeah.
2: It's fast, it's easy, and there's no amount of, uh, presence online or, or anything else that will convince someone more than a referral from a trusted friend or family member. Um, Trust and I think, yeah. And we lose that sometimes, you know, so it's not the fancy bells and whistles. It's really just are other people believing what you're doing and are they singing your, your, your praises, you know, by themselves in their own way. And as you attract more people, are they doing the same thing? We're human beings. You know, we want to be part of something special. And we, we, we will speak about it and we will share it. But, you know, the leader and the organization and whatever, however you want to see it, has to understand that they have to create that
0: first. Cool. Last question. Who's going to win the next walk? France. Good call. Mate, it's been a pleasure. We should catch up again in in another, like, Olympic cycle and uh, see what (laughs) we've got to.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be a good uh, reflection period, I think. You know, I think we'll laugh about this chat. Um, but it is our thinking at the moment, and we can only put it out there as uh, honestly and authentically as we can.
0: Nice mate, stay safe. Awesome, and catch you again. Look after Jess; she's a keeper.